So a couple weeks ago, I was at the gym, and there was a lady in there that had her treadmill cranked all the way up. And so before you guys think that I'm making fun of her, like I'm not going to make fun of somebody that's at the gym because they're in there, they're putting in the effort, they're, they're making the change, and I don't look like Gerard Butler or, or Todd Hampton or anybody, so I don't have any room to make fun of somebody in the gym. But I just I happened to notice her and how fast she was going on this thing. Uh, and so uh, I, was, I was starting my exercise and starting my, my set. Man, I can't remember what machine I was on. I think I might have been on like, the vending machine or something. And so I, I went to start my set, and I was just like, dude, she's going way too fast on that treadmill. Like, it was, she was just putting in way too much effort for it just to be a treadmill and not going anywhere. So she's running as fast as she possibly can on this treadmill. And so I see her, and I was just like, dude, I don't think that's right. Like, I don't know if she should really be running that fast. Uh, and so... I was just like, oh, whatever, because a lot of people will, you know, they'll sprint for a little while, jog for a little while, sprint for a little while. So I was like, oh, maybe I just caught her on the sprint. Like, it's all right. So I did my set, and then I, I was stopping for a second to rest, and I looked over, and she was still, like, going ham on this treadmill. And she, had, she must have had that thing cranked up, like, all the way to 12, which doesn't really sound that bad until your legs start to get tired, and then the treadmill turns into a hamster wheel of death, and you're trying to try not to just fall on your face and get shot off of it. And so I, so I noticed her, and... and I couldn't help but think that if, you know, if I was doing that, my scrawny little chicken legs would have given out, and I would have fallen on the treadmill, and that would have shot me off so fast, the mirror behind the machine would have broke almost as fast as my dignity. And so, and so I, just, I see her, and she's putting in all this effort, and she's doing all this work, but she's not really getting anywhere. Like, she's not physically covering any ground. So how often does that happen in our spiritual lives? Like how often do you, do you find yourself, you know, just kind of clawing around, you know, digging around for traction, and you're doing all these things, and you're trying to impress God, or you're trying to prove that you can do something without God, but then you realize that you're not getting anywhere, or you're actually making your situation worse than what it could have been. Uh, this is something that definitely played me when I first became a Christian, and it's something that I still, I still struggle with, and something that I still have to, to fight against today. So Jesus makes a point in, in Luke chapter 9 that in order to follow him like we need to, we must have a habit of denying ourselves. We must look past our own lives and our own problems and, and focus our eyes and our hearts on the cross and focus that on Christ. So before we get into that passage, what happens when we don't deny ourselves? What happens when we don't uh, put Christ first and we make ourselves the most important things in our lives? Well, the first problem that comes up is we only focus on us. We look at what we have and we want more. We, we see our circumstances and we want them to be the way that we think that they should be, the, the way that we envision our life. We put what God has planned for us on the back burner because we think that we have a better plan. Guys, do, you, do you see how ridiculous that is when, when you step back and think about it? And, and don't think that I'm coming down on you guys or anything like that because I struggle with this and have struggled with this just as much as anybody else in this room. But that's how easy it is to lose sight of the personal mission that God has for each and every one of us. Uh, we, we start to get selfish, and we start to get a little bit greedy, kind of like Todd talked about last week, and, and then it becomes all about us. We don't think we need Jesus' plan because we think we have it all figured out, and that couldn't be further from the truth. So the second thing that happens is we feel like we can handle everything on our own. Uh, I grew up in Georgia. You know, I lived in, in Douglasville until I was about 10 years old, and, then I'm, and I've lived here for the last 11 years. So I've always been around the kind of southern, like, prideful mentality, like, oh, I'm going to work for everything that I have, and, and what I have is mine, and, and nobody can say anything else about that. They can't take that from me. Um, I earned it, so, so nobody can do anything about it. And if I'm successful, then, then that's me, and I've done good. But if I fail, then I have to keep doing it and keep trying until, until I, I'm, I succeed at it, so that way I can prove that, that I can do it and that I'm a man. And the only problem with this mindset is that it's completely ridiculous. You know, that doesn't make sense if we claim to be Christians. God didn't design us to be independent and just leave us to fend for ourselves. 
uh, we were created to lean on him and for him to give us strength and to give us rest and for him to live through us so that we could accomplish things for his glory and not our own glory. That's why Jesus says in John uh, chapter 5, verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. So if Jesus can do nothing on his own and Jesus needs God for each and everything that he does, why do we think that we're an exception? You know, why is it so easy for us to fall into this place of selfishness and a place where we think that, that we can handle ourselves and we can handle the outcome of everything that we do when even Jesus, who is the one that gave everything for us and the, the reason that, that we have life, even says that he can't do anything on his own and even he needs God in order to do those things. God isn't impressed with our, with our good deeds uh, just if, if, they're, if we're doing them just to try to impress him or impress people around us. And in fact, he calls those... He calls those deeds and compares those deeds to filthy, dirty rags. So if we're, if we're just doing all these things to try to impress others or just make ourselves look good, we're pretty much just handing God a bunch of like dirty rags and saying, hey, this is what I have for you, and this is what I've done. When instead we can just accept the gift that Jesus has given us, and then we can, God will look at us through the blood of Christ. and He will look at us through the perfection and through the sacrifice that, that Jesus laid out for us. So why should we even focus on these things if we can't even do them in our own power? Like why should we put so much time and effort trying to be just the best at one thing and just the best at doing this and prove that we can do it when in the end that doesn't have any eternal significance? And in the end, those things can't save us. Now, it may take longer in some instances than others, but the third thing that, that this can do if we're not denying ourselves is, is it'll just stress us out. If we're constantly trying to gain all these things, if we're always worried about what other people think of us, then, then we bought into the lie that we're the chief end of our own existence. That we control our own outcome, we have to fix our own problems, and it's the mark of maturity that, that we can hold our own. But all that's going to do is it's going to leave you tired, it's going to leave you exhausted, it's going to leave you empty. And because and, we can't do all these things to keep up with the promises of a failing world. All those things will never fill you up. You know, I can't even count the number of times that I've tried to keep up with the crowd, that I've just tried to do all these things to blend in because I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to stand out. I just wanted to do what everybody else was doing. That's not the life that was designed for us. You know, when we put all of our burdens on our back, we become stressed out, and we're unable to live in the freedom that Jesus gave us. You know, whether it's trying to become popular or, or maintain your popularity, uh, if, if you're trying to be the best player on your sports team, if you're trying to be the person with the best grades in all of your classes or anything like that, when they become your reason for living, that's detrimental to the way that you view those around you and it's detrimental to your willingness to sacrifice for other people. It's not that some of those things are necessarily bad or that you shouldn't try to do your best in, in whatever you do because you should, but those things in your life can't come first and those things don't define you and they don't define who you are. And when we continue in that, we find ourselves not truly living, but we're just existing to keep up with the people around us. If we don't do something to fight this trend, then that will continue throughout our entire lives. And it becomes harder and harder to turn to anybody for help. And it becomes even harder to, to turn to a God that we've made seem so small because we put him so low that we don't think that he can help us and we don't think that he can do anything for us. So why does Jesus stress the importance of denying ourselves? How can that even possibly help us and help our broken condition to try to make ourselves uh, lower and to try to serve people more um, and, instead of putting ourselves up? Jesus tells us this because he knows that we can never be satisfied if we're living for ourselves. You know, when we focus more on, on God's plan than on what we want, than we, or if we focus more on what we want than on God's plan, we will always be left empty-handed. So I've, I've always had a plan for my life, and it's not always been the same plan, but there's always been a plan in the back of my mind for what I wanted to do. 
uh, in, in seventh grade, my plan was I was dead set to play basketball in middle school and in high school. You know, eventually I would go to the University of North Carolina on a full-ride scholarship for basketball. Uh, I would break every record Michael Jordan ever set at the school, and I would go on to, to be the best NBA player in the history of the league. You know, LeBron James would be asking for, you know, my new version of the Nikes and asking for my autograph and stuff. But that dream kind of got cut short in seventh grade when I didn't make the basketball team <laughs> whenever I made that dream. Uh, so as you can see, I didn't even come close to what I had planned. I'm not North Carolina. I suck at basketball now. I can't make a three-pointer a three to save my life. And, and so I was, I was forced to, to realize the reality that there's probably not that many former chubby, dorky white kids from the suburbs playing in the NBA right now. So my plan, my plan fell through, and what I had envisioned for my life and what I thought would be so great didn't happen. My next plan was to go to college and get a marketing degree. Uh, I had a, a teacher in high school that his, his full-time job was a teacher, but then he also did side stuff with, with marketing for MTV. And he actually missed the first two weeks of my junior year because he was doing all this promotional stuff for the, the show The Real World. So he missed all this time and was always making tons of money, and I was like, dude, I want that. Like, he doesn't do anything. He just hangs out with students, and we just watch videos and commercials because it's learning about marketing. And then he just goes off and works for MTV for a couple weeks, makes a ton of money, and comes back home. You know, my, de- my, my desires were simple. You know, I just want to make a ton of money, want to have a hot wife, want two kids, you know, a house in the suburbs, a little picket fence, so my golden retriever Sparky can run around the yard and everything. <laughs> you know, it was, it was simple, and that's all I wanted. Uh, you know, I would eventually retire to Florida. I would just wear Guy Harvey t-shirts all the time and, and my like, blue khaki uh, uh, shorts and just go fishing on my boat. And it would be great, you know. I would have a 401k that was just set. I wouldn't have to worry about anybody else. I could just worry about me. I wouldn't have to do anything. You know, nobody's interest. I wouldn't be worried about anybody else's interest except my own. And so my first, all, through, all through high school and then my first year of college, that sounded great. And there was nothing else that I thought could even top that. But now looking back, that's the most boring existence I could ever think of in my entire life. I realized that I felt like God was calling me into full-time ministry. And so I spent that, that first year of college trying to fight that. You know, I, I, I got saved the, the summer after high school. So I got into college and still had the mindset of, oh, well, I can, I can go after this degree and I can go after this job and this career that's going to make me a ton of money. And I can just kind of put God on the back burner so, so that I can justify what I'm doing. So that I can justify, like, hey, I'm still doing stuff for God, but I'm also making sure that I'm doing what I want to do and making sure that I'm handling my own. And, and I'm not saying they have to be in full-time ministry to, to be a Christian or anything like that. But the problem for me was that I felt God calling me to full-time ministry, and I was fighting that to still do whatever I felt like I wanted to do, and still trying to just make sure that I was safe so that way I could follow God. But God doesn't ask us to do that. He doesn't ask us to make sure we're safe first and then follow him. God just tells us to follow him. Jesus just tells us to deny ourselves and follow what he's doing for us and what he has planned out for us. So the life that Jesus lived on this earth, all 33 years of his life, can be summed up in two words. Deny yourself. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 27. But while you're turning there, when you look through chapter 9, there's kind of a pattern going on. Yeah, at the beginning of the chapter, Jesus had just sent out his 12 apostles, and they're all returning, and they're talking about all this amazing stuff they've done. They're talking about all these incredible things they've done in the name of Christ, you know, healing people and, and people turning to him and people giving their lives over to Christ and, and being saved. And so at the beginning of chapter 9 is when they all come back together, and they're all sharing all these incredible stories and all the things that they've done. And then we go on to read that Jesus fed 5,000 people with just two fish and five loaves of bread. 
just two fish and five loaves of bread. When I go to Taco Bell and it shows my order like on the little menu, it looks like an essay on like biochemical warfare or something. And Jesus fed 5,000 people with just two fish and five loaves of bread and everybody was full and there was some left over. And then we see Jesus asking his disciples, you know, who do they think he is? You know, there's all this speculation like, oh, maybe he's John the Baptist. Maybe he's Elijah come back reincarnated. Like, who is this Jesus guy from Nazareth? And, and Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, as the son of God, as the one that's going to come and make everything right between us and God. So we have all this amazing stuff happening and, and it's really building up and, you know, the Jesus's ministry is getting off the ground and, and there's all these incredible things being done. And then the chapter takes a slight turn. You know, after Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus tells them all that, that he's going to have to die. He foretells his death for the first time, that he'll have to suffer and be rejected and be killed and mocked and in front of everyone. And so that's a little different spin compared to all the awesome, heartwarming stuff about what was going on in, in Jesus' ministry and, and with his apostles in that time. All right, so let's read verse, uh, verses 23 through, through 27. It says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will be the Son of Man, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. So what the heck, right? Like, we're supposed to deny ourselves. We're supposed to say that, that we don't matter, that we're not going to try to do anything, that we're not going to trust in ourselves to do anything. Uh, we're supposed to, to take up our cross. We're supposed to lose our life. You know, what happened to just doing miracles in Jesus' name and seeing just cool stuff happen? Uh, what happened to, to just hang, to helping people out? You know, so to make them feel a little bit better, make us feel a little, bit, a little bit better about what we've done. Or what happened to just knowing that Jesus is the son of God and then having free reign to do whatever we want to because we're, we're saved and we think we have this freedom to just live in sin and, and do the things that we feel like even when we feel God telling us not to do that. Jesus tells us to do these things because he knows that that's the only way that we can really live. Jesus didn't die to give us an easy existence. Jesus died to give us life. You know, and life is messy. You know, life isn't perfect. You know, sometimes life is awesome, and sometimes life just plain sucks. But truly living in Christ through a difficult life or through, th- through difficult circumstances is always worth it. The, the life of following Jesus will, will have suffering and it will have persecution. And Jesus is clear when he tells us that. And it's clear when, when crowds are following him and they want all this stuff from him. And they just, want, they just want the things that Jesus has to offer. But then as soon as Jesus tells us that it's going to cost us something, then we want to turn and we want to go back and just, and just live in the life that we were living in before. But it's also a life that will break through with complete joy and hope because of what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus promises us through that suffering and through that persecution. But if we only focus on ourselves, we will never grasp that concept. When we stop trying to fend for ourselves and we start focusing on Christ, we really see what life is and what true life looks like. So for us to see how this will change our lives, we have to understand exactly what it was that Jesus is asking of us in this passage. So the first thing that he tells us to do is to deny ourselves. So do you guys see what, what this means for us, like for us to deny ourselves? It, it means that we leave every ounce of ourselves behind. It means that we don't do anything first without running that through the mind of Christ, without covering that in prayer, and without seeking out God's wisdom and God's guidance in everything that we do. 
It's putting what we want to do on pause if we feel like Jesus is calling us to something else. It means that if we claim to be devoted followers of Christ, that we follow Jesus to the point of death and that we trust him in every step of the way. It means when we see that person struggling to fit in at school that's, that's sitting in the cafeteria alone or sitting in class that, that never talks to anybody, that person that we know is broken and hurting and probably has a hard time trusting people because of what's happened in their life. It means when we see them and we see what, what they're going through and we put ourselves in those shoes, it means that we talk to them. Uh, we give them hope. We share that with them because, because of the hope that Jesus gave us, we're able to share that same hope with them. We're able, to, we're able to show them their worth, regardless of what, what our peers say, regardless of what their parents may say, any of that. We get the opportunity to show them the hope that they can have and the, the value that they have in, in the eyes of God. It means that when our friends are making bad decisions that we know will harm them, that we speak up against that. You know, instead of, instead of falling in with them, instead of joining them, or even stepping away and judging them, it means we step aside and we lift them up as we follow Christ. Even if they make fun of your faith, your decision not to do what it is that they're doing that could be harmful to you or, or to them or both of you in, in one form or another, it, we, we love them and we show them the hope that they have through Jesus and the way that we treat them. It means not ignoring that voice in the back of your mind when those situations come up. You know, when we see something that we know isn't right, when we see that person sitting by themselves, when we see our friends struggling, you know, when we, when we feel God calling us to do something but our plans don't line up with that, it means that we deny ourselves. It means we take all that stuff away. It means we're not focused on that anymore. And we're only focused on what God has called us to do. We're only focused on what God wants from us. Oswald Chambers once said, A river touches places of which its source knows nothing. A river touches places of which its source knows nothing. You know, it's not a weakness to put, our si- to put aside our wants for the desires of God. It's strength to know that we don't always know what's best. You know, you never know how your actions are going to positively or negatively impact somebody. And so for us to have the opportunity to always put on the mind of Christ, to always deny ourselves and always live through the hope that Jesus gave us, we're able to positively influence our peers, our teachers, our parents, you know, your coworkers, your, your teammates, you know, whatever that looks like for you in your life, we're able to impact them because we're denying ourselves, we're denying what we want to do, and we're giving them what God has already given us. So the next thing that he wants from us is to take up our cross and follow him. All right, so, so here's a fun fact. When Jesus is saying, take up your cross, what he, what he really means by that is, hey, uh, go ahead and take this device that the Romans use for torture and, and to kill people and to bring complete and utter pain and humiliation on somebody. Go ahead and take this up with you, and whenever you're going out and, and you're spreading the gospel and you're sharing my word and my teachings, go ahead and grab that because the people that that hear what you're doing and the people that hear what you really believe and who you're doing this for are going to want to kill you right on the spot. So you might as well go ahead and bring a cross with you, take it up and just make it easier so that, that it's easier for them to persecute you. You know, has that, has that really taken a hold of your heart of, of what, what this means for us and what it looks like for us to deny ourselves? So by a show of hands, does anybody in here have on like a bracelet or a necklace or anything like that, that has a cross on it? Okay. So if you, even if you don't have one, you've probably seen somebody with one on or something like that. Think about it this way. If Jesus had come 20 years ago instead of 2,000 years ago, we would see people wearing electric chairs around their, necklace, or around their necks on their necklaces instead of a cross. You know, we would see people wearing gas chambers around their necks instead of a cross. You know, the cross didn't start off as a symbol of Christianity or a symbol of our belief. The cross started off as a way to completely and utterly destroy people. It started off as a way to kill people that were going, going against the... Uh, the, the Roman command and anybody that committed any type of heinous crime. 
So when Jesus told his disciples to, to carry their cross, if, if he was here today, he would be telling us, hey, go ahead and pick up your electric chair. Go ahead and take that with you. Because when people find out what you're doing and who you're doing it for, when they find out that you're doing this for me and that you're a follower of me, it's just going to make, that, make it that much easier when they have to persecute you. So I can't imagine that, that when the disciples heard this, when Jesus tells them to pick up, to take up their cross, to go ahead and take that with them, because with the life that they live is going to be rough and it's going to be full of persecution. I can't imagine they were very thrilled about that. You know, the thought of, of always being, being worried about, you know, uh, any Roman soldiers or, or those that were against Jesus, you know, they're going to be looking out to, to kill you or persecute you or, or humiliate you and having that on the back of your mind. So with that in mind, how often do we look at other people around us and, and we think that they're, they're worse off than we are, that we think that we have it better than they do, or that we, we've done something better than they have? You know, we look at the things that God has done for us and through us that should cause humility and should cause us to be humbled by the fact that God even cares enough to allow us to be a part of his plan. But instead, we, let, we allow that to put ourselves on a pedestal. You know, we, we want to feel like that we're not that bad after all, just because of what somebody else has done. And I'll admit, I've, I've done that, and that's something that, that I still struggle with. You know, we, we compare ourselves to other people and think, oh, we're not really that bad. You know, we look at somebody that's, that's committed some kind of ridiculous crime, somebody that's in jail for, for murder or, or like drug charges or anything like that, and we think, oh, we're not as bad as them. But what happens when we compare ourselves to the glory of God? What happens when we compare ourselves to the complete opposite side of the spectrum? Then we don't really look that good, do we? It, we us ourselves without Christ, we don't really look that good compared to the glory of God. And we actually look more like the side where, of the people that we're judging. And so when we think that we're better off than other people, we, we hold ourselves back from really, showing, from really showing them the love of Christ. You know, no matter who you are or, or what you've been through, we all need that grace from God. You know, none of us are any better than anybody else, no matter their background, no matter what they've done, no matter their upbringing. We are all in need of the same God and the same grace. You know, none of us alone are worthy of the gift of salvation apart from what Jesus has done for us. There's no amount of work, there's no amount of deeds that you can do, but a, a, apart from Christ to earn what Christ freely gave us. And so that's, that's why it's so important for us to leave ourselves behind. You know, that's a, it's exactly the proof that God loves us so much and cares for us so much. Because while we can't do anything to, to impress him, we can't do anything that will match the, the sovereignty of him or of Jesus. And he freely gave that gift to us because he knew that. He knew that there was nothing that we could do in order to gain his love, to gain his trust. And so he gave that to us as a free gift. You know, when, when we don't die to ourselves, when we don't deny what we want, when we don't take up our cross, you know, we're, we're stuck on that treadmill. You know, we're clawing away at an existence. We're, we're not getting anywhere. But when we leave ourselves behind and when we chase after Jesus with everything that we have, we, he guides us. You know, he, he loves us. He brings us in. He he pours his love and his grace on us. You know, he gives us absolute, messy, painful, joyful life that can't compare to anything else that this world will ever have to offer you. So the mission of following Christ with our whole hearts is, is so important to Jesus that we have to be willing to die for what we believe. You know, we can only have that mindset if we deny ourselves. You know, if, if your parents ask you to do something, you're probably not going to do it if you're not going to deny what you want to do. You know, if you have to stay in one night or they won't let you go do something because you have something you have to do around the house or, or anything like that, you're not going to look at to what they want you to do because you're focused on what you would rather do. You know, eventually, whenever you get married, 
you can't have a relationship with somebody, uh, regardless of whether you're married or not. You can't have a relationship, a friendship, anything like that, if you're not willing to deny what you want and, and serve the other person and, and really come through for them in times like that. And it's the same with our relationship with Christ. We can't experience Christ fully, and we can't really see all the incredible things that he wants to do for us until we get rid of some of the stuff from us and get rid of some of our plans that, that he's not calling us to, things that he's trying to get us away from because he wants something greater for us. You know, this isn't about following a set of rules. It's not about following just uh, these things just to, uh, to check them off our list. You know, this is about really living in Christ because if he's asking you to give something up, he's not punishing you. He's not trying to to come down on you and say, oh, I just don't feel like you should be doing this. He's doing it because he, he loves you. You know, he disciplines you the way your, your parents disciplined you when you were younger. Did anybody's parents just let them drink Clorox when they were a kid? This guy, okay. One person in here, let parent let them drink Clorox. <laughs> but no, they, they guarded you, they protected you, they, they kept you from doing those things even though you probably wanted to drink Clorox or, or whatever it was, I don't know. So that's the way that our relationship with Christ looks. You know, he's not, we have to deny ourselves so that he can show us what's better for us and show us what it means for us to be great and for us to do these things in his name. And then in this passage, Jesus goes on to blatantly call out the way that I have lived most of my life. He says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So is, you don't have to like raise your hands or anything, but just be thinking about this. Is there anything in your life that you've been holding on to? Is there something in your life that you've been clamped onto for, for so long? You know, whatever it is, it could be detrimental to, to um, it could be holding you back from something even greater that God wants for you. You know, whether it's a relationship or a friendship that keeps you from growing and keeps you from being the person that God has called you to be. Uh, maybe it's, you know, for your seniors, maybe it's a college that you really want to go to, but you feel called to, to go somewhere else. You know, maybe you feel pressured to go to one school, but you feel like God is calling you to go to another school. You know, or even how you just spend your time throughout the day. You know, whenever you have free time and, and you're not doing schoolwork or whatever, you know, are you, are you focusing on yourself or are you focusing on, on serving other people? Are you focused on, focusing on growing in Christ and growing in the things that he's done for you? You know, we're constantly trying to look out for ourselves. You know, we want to make sure that we have a safety net. And there's nothing wrong with being cautious and using common sense. And it's actually probably a good idea to do that. But when we hold on to something so tightly that we can't let go long enough for Jesus to, to lead us to where we really need to be, then that is when it becomes a problem. That's when we start trusting in self rather than trusting in Christ. And we will never be the people that God has called us to be as long as we're doing that. And Jesus also says it's not worth it to gain everything in the world if it means that we lose ourselves. Uh, I, read a, I read an article earlier this week on CNN's website that said that the American dream is basically a myth at this point. You know, since, you know, since early in the 1900s, the, just the idea that we have to have all these things, we have to have all this stuff, and, and we're not, we haven't really made it, we're not really successful unless we can say we have a lot of money, we can say we have all these nice possessions and all these material things. That's, that ideal is starting to die. So, so basically all the material possessions and all the wealth that we, that we pride ourselves off of, as we get older, as, as your generation, as my generation gets older, that's just going to be harder and harder to get. It's going to be harder to attain. So we have to figure out what's most important to us. You know, we can try to keep up with everyone. We can try to have the most money in our bank account. We can try to have all the nicest things. Uh, we can try to keep up with all the people around us, but that's never going to happen. 
because somebody's always going to have something nicer than you. Somebody's always going to have something that you would rather have than, than what you already own. And you're never going to be full and you're never going to be truly happy. Or we can leave this thing, the things of the world behind. You know, we can, we can leave all those things behind and we can focus, focus on not losing ourselves, not focus on losing who we are and, not, and focus on not losing who we are in Christ. Uh, you know, material things or, or money aren't inherently evil, but they do make us do some pretty crazy things. Like we saw in the video last week of a girl getting tased over like a whatever she got tased for on Black Friday. You know, it makes us selfish. It makes us focus on ourselves, and it causes us to just want to keep getting ahead at the risk of, of uh, hurting others and causing others to suffer. You know, we can do anything that we want to in order to make our dreams happen, in order to make ourselves feel accomplished, but then what? You know, then what's next? You're just on to the next thing to try to make you feel, feel happy and that, the next thing to make you feel accomplished. You know, but if we're not doing, if what we're doing is not for the glory of God, then it's fleeting and it will never fill us up. It won't last long enough to give us a sense of belonging or a sense of peace. But when we deny ourselves and we look to Jesus to bring us peace and bring us comfort, and that's when life starts. That's when all the things that we regret from our past are wiped clean before God. That's when we start to see our true worth. And that's when we start to see that there's a much greater hope in this world than than we could ever imagine. And that hope knows us even deeper than we know ourselves. So here's our main point for tonight. Denying ourselves doesn't mean that that we're missing out on something. It means that we're gaining everything. You know, every, every single person in this room right now is worth way more than you even realize. You know, not because I say so, not because Todd says so, not because your small group leader says so, but because Jesus says so through what he has done for you. You know, Jesus' entire life can be summed up with deny yourself. You know, Jesus, Jesus took the beating before he, he was crucified. You know, he, he took it and he didn't even say a word. He carried his cross to the place where he would eventually hang there and just be left to die, left to be mocked, left to be spit on. Uh, he did all those things for us because he knew that that was the only way that we could really live. He knew that that was the only thing that could make us happy. And he knew that was the only thing that would give us the life that we were meant to live, the life that we were designed to live. Because if we're not living out the life that God has set out specifically for us, then we're selling ourselves short. You know, denying yourself can be the hardest thing to do in, in almost any situation, but it's also the strongest thing that we could do in almost every situation. It's not a weakness to deny something that, that you want, that God doesn't want for you. It's actually a sign of maturity. You know, you say, hey, I'm not going to do this. Like, no matter how bad I want this, I'm not going to do it because that's, that's not what God has for me. That's not what God has called me to do. You know, we can say yes to something that's eternally significant because we know that that's what glorifies God. We know that, that that's what it is that, that gives God glory, that, that puts ourselves low and puts God high in our lives so that other people can see that, other people can have that hope. So we have to decide whether it's worth it for us to, to live for these things, to, to keep ourselves high, to keep our pride up, and to try to gain all these things, to try to do everything on our own, and then in the end realize that none of it was really worth it, and realize that none of it can really save us. Or we can see the benefit and the eternal significance that comes from denying ourselves, that comes from focusing on Jesus before everything else in our lives, and focusing on the life that he has to offer. You know, not seeing it as, as he's punishing us or he's just keeping us from doing these things because he's not an angry God. He's not a mean God. He's proven that to us through what he did for Jesus, that we couldn't earn what he gave us, so he went ahead and just gave it to us freely. Guys, we, we, have, to, we have to take this verse seriously. We have to look at this verse through the lens of, of Christ. 
and look at it the way that, that God intended for it to, to be read. You know, we're, we're not the sole, the sole end of our existence. We're not living for ourselves. And if we are, that's just going to end up in a, a lonely, uh, desperate life. But God, when we give all that up, when we give that up to God and we show him what, uh, how we truly love him and how we want him to, to live through us, to do all these things through us and give him the glory for our life, that is the only way that we can really be satisfied. All right, so let me, let me pray for you guys. God, we love you. God, we thank you so much for who you are. And we thank you for all the incredible things that you do for us, God. God, we just pray that uh, God, is, as we close up here tonight, God, that, that we would be that we just think about the things that, that we haven't given up. God, things that maybe you've been calling us to, things that it's just been difficult for us to, to give away. God, I pray that, that in all those things, God, that we would just give those up to you tonight. God, that, that our hearts and, and our minds would be, would be set free from that. God, that we would just focus on you and we would focus on the life and the love that you give to us. God, I just pray that, that in all these things, God, that you'd be lifted high in our life. God, that you'd be glorified and here, God, through our worship, God, through our offering, God, through uh, just conversations and small groups, God, that, that your name would be lifted up and that, that you would be the one glorified through all this. So, God, we love you. God, we thank you so much for who you are and for everything that you do for us. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.